This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Monday afternoon, August 22nd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. Phenomenon known as quiet quitting is becoming more prevalent in the workplace. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, there's anticipation ahead of Fed Chair Jay Powell's speech in a meeting in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, later this week, along with an eye on upcoming data covering personal income and spending. We're joined by Tom Hudson, the week ahead columnist with McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Tom, thanks for joining us today. Uh, is this sell-off today that's happening, you know, the Dow down about 500 points right now, uh, is this driven in part by uh, investors anticipating a lot of disappointment in these reports coming out this week? I think it's more trepidation than expecting disappointment. It's a risk-off kind of day. There's a lot of data to come by this week for investors to digest. The big one coming up later this week with the preferred uh, inflation measure from the Federal Reserve with the PCE, personal consumption expenditures, as well as the comments that uh, Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell is expected on Friday at the annual Kansas City getaway in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So a lot of kind of wait and see. The markets, don't forget, have bounced considerably in the month of July, have kind of treaded water pretty well here in August. So waiting for these latest inflation numbers, waiting for the Federal Reserve to hear whether or not it's going to continue to accelerate its rate increases to try to tamp down inflation. Let's talk about the Chicago Fed National Activity Index uh, back in positive territory in the month of July after contracting in June. Uh, What does that mean about the pace of economic activity in the Midwest? It's good news, certainly. You see that expanding even in the uh, era of high inflation. But I think what it can tell us is, listen, the real impact on businesses and consumers of those high gasoline prices, five, six dollars a gallon. That means that those revenues, those uh, uh, that money would uh, that would normally go to invest in capital or people are going uh, had been going, of course, to uh, to fuel. And that meant lower or less economic activity when those prices were high as the fuel prices backed off. We saw the uh, the uh, economic expansion, uh, as mild as it is, but expansion return again. And then on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, we get uh, two more snapshots of the housing market. Uh, tomorrow, new home sales, and then Wednesday, pending home sales. And are we going to? Should we see more of the same uh, that we've been seeing earlier this summer? The impact of uh, higher mortgage rates and uh, higher home prices uh, cooling off the housing market. Absolutely, Rob. And I think what's going to be important here with these home sale figures, less about the known impact of higher mortgage rates in slower 
housing market activity. It's going to be what do we hear from the housing builders in terms of the supply crunch? Remember, there was a kind of a two-headed monster that uh, the housing market has been dealing with. One is the higher borrowing costs because of the Federal Reserve fighting inflation with higher Fed funds rate. But the second was the higher overall cost of homes driven not only by supply demand, but also with new homes, the increase in labor costs and the increase in construction material costs. What is the housing market experiencing with those two pieces? It could give us some answers about the uh, maybe easing of the supply chain crunch. And then very quickly, Tom, uh, the the Jackson Hole speech on Friday is going to be of interest to uh, both uh, investors and uh, ornithologists because we will find out uh, what type of bird uh, Jay Powell is going to be. Is he going to be a hawk or a dove? And chances are he's sharp his talons. Yeah, I think he needs to be a hawk. The Federal Reserve has got to speak strongly, confidently. It needs to retain, if not build, the confidence of investors, market, and consumers that it is going to continue to be fighting inflation until this inflation rate gets down to a level that is much more manageable for American consumers. Tom Hudson, the Week Ahead columnist with McClatchy Tribune News Services. Thanks for joining us uh, based in Miami. Coming up, investigating the case of the, the quiet quitter. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. There's a workplace trend that's known as quiet quitting. Let's warn, wor- learn what that involves and who's doing it from Rick Cobb, who is the founder of the Workplace consulting firm to discern based in chicago rick thanks for joining us today uh when the notion of quiet quitting was described to me all i could think of was the scene in the movie office space where peter tells the bobs (laughs) that it's not that i'm lazy i just don't care is that what quiet quitting is yeah it's been great talking to you thanks you've summed it up no (laughs) i think there's a lot there's a lot to that. You know, there's there's a there's two ways to look at this. So there's a systemic problem with a company um, that we can look at, and there's an individual problem. So one of the things that leadership has to look at is, is this something that we own? Are we creating a situation by the way that we work with our people? Or is it the person that doesn't fit the culture in the company? And and if you're on the individual side of looking, you, you know, unlike, you know, uh, recession times, or you know, we may be had to act to that, but right now unemployment's pretty good. So you, you can find something else, but will you, if, if you're, this is not the place for you? But on the other end of it, is the company, uh, yeah, everything looks like, an, you know, if you're really with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So we've always done it this way. We've always done it this way. And people go, well, I don't want to do that way anymore. So there, there are people that are going to not do something because they don't feel motivated. They don't feel relevant. They don't feel like they they are incentivized to do it. And typically, if you're in, if you're getting the wrong results, your incentives are misaligned, or that person doesn't belong in that organization. And that's that's the, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's what you have to identify. And I, I'm I'm kind of telling on myself, Rick, in this particular situation because I don't understand. No one's listening, so you're good. Well, I mean that that, that could be a problem with my employer. Uh, that <laughs> that uh, that could be a discussion down the road. But yeah. uh, what I was saying is that um, you know I'm someone who really enjoys my job. I've been doing it for 23 years, and I have enjoyed pretty much every day of it, including the bad days. And my wife yeah. is an educator, and she is a firm believer in what she does. So we both go above and. Beyond 
beyond our duties because uh, we like what we do and we know what's expected of us. But there are some companies where they talk about hustle culture. Uh, what mm-hmm. is that? And does that mean uh, a lot of uh, performative hard work that doesn't really accomplish much of anything? Well, and that's the question. What is the organization value and measure? So, you know, if, if and let's take the, one of the worst jobs I could come up with, which would be customer service, the call center job. You know, nobody's calling to tell you how, how great everything was. They're calling because they're unhappy about their product, and it's your fault, and you better fix it. So if I'm running that call center, and, and my goal is to get everyone to answer a 1,000 calls an hour, um, I'm not, and I'm not measuring the value of that call. If 80% of the people I talk to are pissed off after my call, I'm doing the opposite of what I should be trying to do, which is solve problems. If you're a teacher, to, to your point, your wife as a teacher, if you're motivated, your organization is about uh, helping uh, children learn and develop that and they're measuring the right things, great. If it's about you know, presenteeism and making sure everybody's in the class until the bell rings, um, you know, I can take any job and change it from heaven to hell with one change, and that's who you report to. So yeah, I guess the thing is, if you like your job, you just told your boss you like him, and that's a good thing. Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, thanks for joining us this afternoon. I have a feeling uh, more than a few people uh, listened in our conversation today. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, the job cuts are coming to a top American automaker. Ford is confirming reports it's laying off workers. Let's get the very latest now from Jeff Gilbert, the CBS News automotive correspondent based in Detroit. Uh, Several thousand Ford workers today uh, found out that uh, they were getting laid off. Uh, Where are these workers uh, located and from what uh, parts of Ford uh, do they work or did they work? Uh, Yeah, well, they're they're learning uh, their fate throughout the week this week. Uh, A memo was sent out to the whole workforce saying the cuts are coming. Most of the cuts are going to be in the U.S. Some will be in Canada. Some will be India. And just about all the cuts will be concentrated on the internal combustion side of the business as Ford is actually beefing up things when it comes to electric vehicle development. And uh, it's just that they they believe that uh, EVs are the future, which seems to be the orientation of the entire automotive industry. Um, what is it, though? Does this mean that there are just certain people who have uh, internal combustion engine experience and that their uh, skills just don't transfer over? Or Ford is just... Uh, looking for a way to cut costs and move that money over to EVs. Can I check the box that says all of the above? (laughs) You Uh, certainly can. Yeah, Yeah, they are certainly looking to cut costs because they're spending a lot of money on EVs. They certainly don't need some people. For example, you probably have seen the last new engine program at, at not just Ford, but all car makers. So they don't really need people who work on new engines. They'll need people to tweak the existing ones to make them better. Same things with transmissions, because those don't go into EVs. You know, you may see a situation where they extend the uh, development time of a vehicle. You know, in the past, you might have seen a new Explorer every five years. You know, there may only be one more new Explorer before the EV comes. F-150, Bronco, those are cash cows. They're probably not going to have anybody cut on those programs. But but you see where we're getting at here. You know, they're finding the areas where they don't need as many people. And at the same time, they're hiring a ton of software engineers to work on EVs. And then are there, uh, of, of these cuts, uh, to the best of your knowledge, I mean, are there any cuts coming to plants or production lines? 
This is strictly on the salaried side of the business. All the cuts at plants have to be uh, communicated through the United Auto Workers Union. And they've had so many retirees on that side that they're hiring, they're not cutting. And then when it comes to uh, uh, just the future of uh, the internal combustion engine, uh, is this going to be like a long retirement for not only Ford, but the Detroit 3, where they will just gradually wind down development, they'll wind down innovation, they'll wind out new products, and then a couple of years down the road, they'll just simply stop making them, and it will be so gradual that no one will notice. Well, it'll be a long retirement, and it's going to be more than a couple of years. It's going to be, uh, you know, the the earliest people are talking about eliminating internal combustion engines is California in 2035. So that's about a little more than a dozen years away. And, you know, I I think people will notice, but it will be a gradual fade out, and uh, it's not going to happen overnight. And then lastly, uh, did the chip shortage uh, play a role in this by uh, doing a number on Ford's finances and uh, forcing belt tightening uh, as opposed to uh, a, a different financial time when uh, those employees could stay on? No, the, the chip shortage is totally different. It's more of a near-term issue. This is all about long-term. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News Automotive Correspondent based in Detroit, talking about the uh, layoffs at Ford as they uh, transition to electric vehicle development. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of car cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. America's top infectious disease doctor is ready to take on a new challenge. Consumers are finally getting a break on the cost of beef. The decline of cable TV reflected in new statistics showing viewership trailing that of streaming services. It's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a couple of suggestions from an investing pro. WBBM business. The markets are lower. The Dow is down 566 points. The Nasdaq is down 200. 92. The S&P 500 down 82. AccuWeather says mostly sunny and pleasant today with lower humidity, a high of 80. 70s along the lakefront, 81 degrees right now under mostly sunny skies at 1231. And topping our news at the half hour, Dr. Anthony Fauci says he will leave government service at the end of the year to pursue what he calls the next chapter of his career. He'll step down as President Biden's top medical advisor and from his position as the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He's held that post for nearly 40 years. The 81-year-old doctor has not said what his next move will be. There's some relief with the price of a popular item at the grocery store. The details from CBS News correspondent Jim Crisula. We have less of a beef with beef prices. Prices of beef, typically among the costliest grocery store purchases, are falling after more than a year of increases. That prompted many Americans to buy less beef and switch to less expensive protein like chicken and pork. Beef supplies are improving with better staffing at meat plants. Prices for many food and consumer products remained high 
due to greater costs for transportation, ingredients, and labor. It's 12.32. The noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are in the red, and by quite a bit, we're joined by Vahan Jinjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management, based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Vahan, thanks for joining us today. The Dow is down to now 581 points. The NASDAQ is down 298. The S&P 500 down 83. Uh, What's driving the drop today? Yeah, you know, these are pretty big moves in one day. Um, You know, it it could be anything. uh, I think most likely we're seeing a little bit of uh, profit taking after a very strong rally over the past two months. I mean, I would would encourage people to take a longer term uh, perspective. When we started this year, um, you could make a case that the stock market was a bit overvalued. Uh, then we started seeing inflation numbers coming in much higher than expected, and the Fed, of course, started taking actions such as in- increasing interest rates. And the S&P fell by over 20% uh, from the start of the year to the middle of June. Um, over the past two months, however, we had a, um, a very strong rally, about 17% in two months, which is you know, considerable. And uh, despite today's decline and, and the declines we saw last week, we're only down about um, 4% from that August 16th high. So, you know, this is really a blip. I wouldn't be too worked up about today's sell-off. It seems all eyes are on Friday and Jackson Hole and Fed Chair Jay Powell's uh, speech there, uh, trying to give us uh, some idea of uh, the, the, you know, about, about the continuing trajectory of the uh, interest rate hikes to try to uh, slow down the pace of inflation. But it seems like there are a lot of uh, inflation data points that are all over the map, and you see some signs that uh, it could definitely be easing in some respects. Gas prices are going down. Um, that's the biggest one. And then uh, you're starting to see food prices back off a little bit. Uh, commodity prices going down in a big way. And then we had that report just a couple of minutes ago about the price of beef going down. So clearly there are some inflationary pressures that are uh, escaping at the, at the present time. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, the, the Fed meeting uh, at Jackson Hole does have people nervous, but we already know what um, Powell is going to say. He's going to say that the Fed will um, remain vigilant and will continue to raise rates to, fly, to fight inflation. But we also know that the Fed is data dependent. And uh, the Fed is also concerned about uh, the employment market and uh, about the economy. So if they see that the interest rate increases they've imposed so far, are starting to have an impact on uh, the unemployment rate, which so far they haven't, uh, then the Fed will back off. And, you know, as you said, uh, there are lots of things that are coming down because supply chains are improving. And the bottom line is that the inflation that we had so far this year, um, that inflation was not due to uh, the demand side of the equation. It was due to supply constraints. And as those supply constraints improve, um, then the Fed's going to realize that, you know what, maybe we don't need to be as aggressive anymore. And then and then very quickly, as far as the Fed is concerned, you know, how many months of month over month uh, inflation reports where maybe it's uh, flat or up just a tick uh, for them to say, well, we're doing our job? You know, I, I think that, that we're already there. I think we're already there. Um, as you point out, the month over month numbers have been very good. Uh, We don't really see a lot of inflation. Of course, year over year, it looks very high. Um, But I think uh, in another couple of months, the Fed's going to say enough's enough. Now, a lot of people are expecting a 75 basis point increase in September. Uh, I think 50 basis points is more likely. 
And then after that, the Fed may go to 25. And, uh, you know, we might see a 100 basis point increase at the most from here before the Fed uh, stops. Vahan Jinjigi and Chief Investment Officer with Greenwich Wealth Management based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, streaming services surpass cable in viewership as the NFL moves Thursday night football exclusively to Amazon Prime. Discussing the news affecting your money, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The NFL's Thursday night games will run exclusively on streaming service Amazon Prime as the latest numbers on viewership reflect the decline of cable. Let's talk about that and also a uh, streaming snafu that impacted some users last night with Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertair Group based in Chicago. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Uh, these are the numbers. 34.8% of total U.S. viewing uh, during the month of July uh, went to streaming services, Netflix, Apple. Apple TV Plus and so on and so forth, and cable TV attracted 34.4. We know who's watching streaming, and that's it's the growing segment of the video audience. Uh, What are the big? uh, What's driving people to cable these days? Yeah, well, uh, Rob, streaming is uh, accelerating, uh, and it's already uh, per that data from Nielsen, as you uh, just mentioned is essentially now the first choice behavior for, quote unquote, watching television. Um, uh, With some squinting of numbers, it's actually probably a bit higher than that. Uh, And then when you add in, you know, when you compare that against broadcast television and cable, um, it's still a bit uh, behind when you uh, combine those traditional matters. But those two, broadcast and cable, are declining in viewing. So there's no question that the mainstreaming, if you will, of streaming television uh, is is well underway and is probably going to be even higher levels uh, as, for example, as you mentioned, you know, uh, things like uh, NFL football and um, various high-profile sporting events migrate not only to being included in streaming as a choice, but even exclusively in streaming. And that's clearly going to draw even more viewers in. And so the question is, as we talk about uh, the future of streaming, you know, how do we get these last holdouts uh, from broadcasting and cable over into the streaming arena? Because there are some things for which uh, broadcast television, you know, is still the place to be. I mean, the NFL, you've said this before, is what keeps the broadcasters in business. And uh, a lot of local content on uh, local TV channels uh, definitely draws eyeballs to local broadcast television. Um, how far away from are we from migrating those brands over from broadcasting into, into streaming? And uh, also, you know, the future of streaming is it going to be entirely portable video, or can audio come along on the journey? Oh, there's no question that audio can come along for the journey. Um, I, I think the reality is that there is a belief that broadcast television is a massively scaled platform, uh, and that streaming still is kind of, by comparison, somewhat of a niche kind of uh, uh, environment. But the reality is, as you just pointed out with the data, Um, The aggregate viewing behavior is now uh, clearly moving towards streaming. So um, it's it's really now up to broadcast television to itself uh, move into streaming to allow streaming first behaviors to be um, uh, to be satisfied. And that includes things like local television news and your local television stations being much more uh, widely available in streaming formats. It's 
Um, again, streaming first is the behavior that younger audiences are used to and expected of, uh, and it's not necessarily turning on the television set to watch something on quote-unquote broadcast television. Most people under the age of 40 or even 50 don't even understand what that means anymore. 30 or 40 years ago, the networks would start in the fall around this time with the big, splashy ad campaigns that uh, wanted brand loyalty from you from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to bed. So if you were the NBC wanted you to wake up at the Today Show and say goodnight with Johnny Carson and watch game shows in their primetime lineup from start (laughs) to finish. The streamers, though, don't seem to have that level of brand loyalty, that people do juggle their subscriptions based on uh, the shows they like, shows that have been canceled, whether or not they think they could juggle three or four of them and want to slim down to two or three. Uh, How do they build that level of brand loyalty that, yes, we're an Apple TV Plus house and we love it? Yeah, I I think it's very, very hard, Rob, and and it's an excellent uh, observation. Look, I mean, what you described in the old days was sort of a network branding philosophy. Um, the reality is that a network in television, a network in cable means much, much less. Uh, and it's really driven by a show or a series or perhaps an exclusivity window for a particular sporting event like NFL or something like that. So in essence, I think what consumers really are now going to be doing is literally dancing between services pretty savvily, uh, subscribing and unsubscribing as they follow their shows and series that they're really interested in. I'm not so sure that there's really much brand loyalty to streaming services or, you know, uh, basically the modern versions of what a network is. It's about programming, and they're going to find it and want to find it wherever they can get it. As long as it works, as uh, HBO Max users discovered last (laughs) night uh, when uh, House of the Dragon uh, crashed the service. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertair Group, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us. Join us this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come, our Monday stock picker. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday and helping us out this afternoon is Chuck Carlson, the CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Your two stock picks of the day, I will say this, they're in alphabetical order. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're kind of, you know, the twin sons of different mothers, if you will. They're very similar companies. Um, but the, the, the similarities, I think, are, are something investors want right now. The two companies, uh, the first I'll talk, discuss in alphabetical order, Rob, is PepsiCo. The symbol is PEP. The stock trades for $179 a share. Uh, when you look at the performance of PepsiCo over the last 12 months, it's been very impressive. The stock has gone to uh, a, a new all-time high and has uh, really beaten the, the S&P 500 over that time period. And I think investors are being drawn to a number of things. The company has pricing power. Their volumes have been okay. Their snack food business continues to run well. Uh, they like the dividend yield of 2.6%, and it's kind of that classic kind of, you know, shelter in the storm stock. And, you know, based on today's trading action, if we get into a bit more volatility here, it's a stock that'll probably be even in even higher demand. So that's PepsiCo, uh, symbol PEP, stock trades for $179 a share. And then uh, let's turn our gaze to uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, Procter & Gamble. 
Right. A, a lot of similarities there in a sense. Consumer products company, uh, they do have pricing power. Their their volumes have been increasing, primarily driven by those higher prices. Uh, symbol is PG. Stock trades for about $150 a share. Uh, you get that good dividend yield as well. It's 2.4%. My guess is of the two, PepsiCo has a bit better uh, near-term price momentum, but I still like Procter & Gamble for its, its uh, again, shelter-in-the-storm-type stock, where it's, it's kind of that classic steady Eddie stock that, you know, is never going to be at the top of the leaderboard in any particular year. But when you look back and look at the total return from dividends, higher dividends, I believe they've increased their dividend annually for more than 50 years, and reasonable appreciation potential. It's a, it's a nice stock for ballast in a portfolio. Uh, I, I do own both of them and have been long-term shareholders of both stocks. And then very quickly, Chuck, how is the Dow theory faring on a day like today where the Dow is down 600 points? Yeah, I think what the, the theory is kind of indicating that we are in, in the process of probably going to see a, a retest of those June 17th lows. Uh, and that'll be the, kind of the next test the market has to face if, in fact, it does hold those lows and then goes above this recent high that it established on this rally. That would be very positive under the Dow theory. So the Dow theory is kind of wait and see how the market responds to those June 17th lows if, in fact, the selling here builds. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Thanks for joining us on Stock Picker Monday. His two selections, PepsiCo, P-E-P, and Procter & Gamble, the ticker symbol PG. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The Step Back 3, you bet! Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 